The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where we talk with top leaders about how they inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. A 40 Strategy will help organizations and companies realize and achieve their dreams. How we do that is we help them figure out their strategic plan and then help them not only figure out what it should be, but then actually help them execute it so they can actually attain success. Anthony, with the crazy part, and, and you and I have talked about strategy, we're strategy nerds, if you may, strategy geeks, we love this stuff. You know, Only 10% of organizations actually accomplish two-thirds of their strategic objectives. And I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty bananas that that's all it is. Oh yeah. They got, they got some work to do. That's why we're in business, bud. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's absolutely. So it's, it's, um, so at 40 strategy, your success is our passion. That's why organizations call and ask people like Anthony and myself for help. Um, not only do come with strategy, but proven practices to make it work. Harvard business review says if you actually focus on the right key performance indicators, you can triple your success. So if you'd like to learn more, uh, write, send us an email to catch like catching a ball at 40strategy.com. And we'd love to have more conversation with you. Um, also, like to encourage you right now, we are um, talking about the marathon challenge. Um, Anthony, you'll hear, learn more about this, but on October 24th, uh, we are scheduled to run my first marathon I challenged John Foster with, and uh, we'll see if it happens. Um, but anyways, we're, we're going to move on um, and talk a little bit more about first our shout out. Um, someone who, a common person, I, I met Anthony while I was at Cascade Strategy. Matter of fact, I, how I heard about Anthony was one of the employees there said, um, hey, you've got to listen to this guy named Anthony Taylor. He's on this podcast and I think he's the best. And that's actually, I think, how we connected. Um, you ended up speaking at one of our presentations that we did in Portland. We had our, our first global conference for Cascade Strategy. And um, then we did some, a lot of presentations together. We were last together in Wisconsin before all this COVID craziness hit. And um, that was a crazy time walking in one of the coldest walks I've ever, ever had in my entire life in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and thank you, Anthony, for giving me the courage to walk in the cold. Thank you, Canadians. Um, and uh, and so, so Anthony Taylor is the managing partner and chief strategist for SME Strategy Consulting based in Vancouver, Canada. Anthony is also an author including two books called Alignment and How to Get Your People, Strategy, and Culture on the Same Page. And then um, I Wish I Knew Entrepreneur Lessons I Learned the Hard Way So You Don't Have to. He is an engaging professional speaker for over a decade to audiences uh, throughout the world. He's also the host of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, where he interviews CEOs, business leaders, authors, thought leaders to get their perspectives on strategy business, leadership, culture, and people to you to advance in your career and your life. He has a BA in business administration with marketing concentration. You have credentials 
a lot of credentials, Anthony. Uh, young leaders of the America's entrepreneurial leadership curriculum, balanced scorecard and key performance indicators and competitive strategies to name a few. And you also volunteer support for the Association for Strategic Planning, which I'm also a member of. Thank you very much, Anthony, for your time and support you do with that. We met together, as mentioned beforehand, um, when I was working with Cascade. And, and thank you so much for all you've done. Anthony, I, I, I miss you, buddy. We uh, have had a lot of fun on our times we had together. Uh, who knew that beer we had in Madison, Wisconsin would be our last beer we'd had together for two years. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get together to have one again here in the near term. But Anthony, welcome to the uh, Measure Success Podcast. Thanks so much, Carl. It's been way too long. I'm such a, a big fan of your work. I'm a big fan of you personally. I, uh, If I had the chance, I would drive straight down to Oregon. But as you know, the borders are still a little bit trickily closed. But I'm so grateful to be here, grateful to catch up with you, and just like really happy to be in your presence. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. So for those in the audience, I always like to you know just start out with is, is so what do you do, Anthony? What What is SME Strategic Consulting? So uh, SME strategy, you know, we facilitate strategic planning. Uh, SME stands for small to medium enterprise. Uh, and I started my business for, for a couple reasons. One of them was I was running a not-for-profit organization. Um, and I found it was really, it was like herding cats, as the expression is, to get everybody on the same page. And I said, well, what the hell? Like, what do I need to do here? And I found strategic planning. And I implemented this, you know, strategic planning process. And I found that with all of these very well-intentioned people, they were all moving in different directions. So I wanted to help them be able to be more effective and, and accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. Uh, the other thing was I, uh, I got ripped off by a business partner for about a hundred grand. And I wanted to help entrepreneurs and businesses avoid the risks that I made. And so that's why I help entrepreneurs, not-for-profits really get to where they want to go in the most effective way possible and avoiding as much risk as possible. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll do a shameless plug for you, Anthony. Um, his book, Alignment, uh, that I have here for those who are looking up how to get your people, strategy, and culture on the same page is a wonderful uh, book and, and so critical on making sure any strategy works. You know, if you don't have buy-in of the culture and the team, if only one person thinks it's a good idea, it's not going to work. And, and you got to make sure your entire team's there. And, and especially with growing organizations, having something like this is, is really huge. So I anyways, encourage people to pick that up. Um, so we were talking a little bit ahead of time. You've been working on a, a bit of a new endeavor um, as your firm has continued to grow and you've added, been adding new people because you continue to add more value. Tell us uh, about this new endeavor you have and this not-for-profit portion and um, give our audience a little flavor and, and perhaps something that they might be looking into. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, being in Canada, we couldn't travel to the states. We couldn't travel to uh, to your hometown to to work with you. Um, and so, we actually also saw that it negatively affected a lot of mission based organizations. And we said, well, well, what can we do? So we tried to like, or we had a lot of clients. We had clients in education. We had clients in the restaurant industry. They were all like kind of scrambling. We said, okay, well, what can we do with this time? So we created this not for profit program where uh, now we're going to be running it twice a year where we have a limited intake for nonprofit organizations um, to help them lead their strategic plans um, virtually, um, but at a significantly discounted and, and subsidized rate. Then it's really to help those organizations that are having an impact in communities that we would want to be in uh, to help them have the maximum impact. Um, you know, we see strategic planning, I see strategic planning as the way to change the world. 
because a clear strategy is Carl, I'm sure you'll agree with a clear strategy helps employees be engaged. If your employees are engaged, they're happier. They mean that people have great jobs. If they have great jobs, they have happy families, they have happy families, they have happy communities. And so strategic planning changes the world. And we wanted to put this uh, not-for-profit program together uh, to make that happen. That's really special. Uh, what has been, you know, the what has been for you? What have you seen in the not-for-profit world that has been a, you know, COVID of course, right? You know, but but what is on top of COVID? What specific challenges have they had, which has made it more difficult today than it was two, three years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I have one more thing I want to plug, but I'll wait wait till later. But uh, what's been really challenging for some of them is uh, not being able to meet in person. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of standard, you know, uh, getting together, having your board meetings, having those those side conversations and all that stuff, they haven't had the chance to do that. And they, the other piece of that is the personal life and the volunteer life and the work life all like smash together. And so you find volunteers that are doing whatever they're doing from the side of their desks, or if it's a mission-based organization, they're having to take care of their kids and family. They're stretched even more thinly. Um, and then so being able to prioritize to get clear on what they need to do is, is um, really at the heart of helping them. So uh, now go back to your plug thing. So what was that before I forget that? What, what's that additional thing you wanted? To oh, mention? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> so uh, on October 21st, um, very close to your marathon, uh, we're hosting a diversity and inclusion summit. Uh, and we, I got together 11 speakers from four different countries, uh, to be able to speak about diversity, inclusion, what's happening in their workplaces, what's happening in their life. And just for them to share, to engage in a conversation, uh, about it. Uh, you can check it diversity inclusion summit SME strategy, but I just, I'm super pumped on it because uh, all this time at home has given me opportunity to do more, uh, more things. And I'm just excited to do that and to bring it to the community of leaders like your audience. That's cool. And, and and have you seen on a global basis, based on what you've talked about, who who how how significant have the changes been? You know, when it comes to that, are they uh, is there a country that's really like leading the way, so to speak, or are is kind of other people waiting on others, right, to find out who's going to be the leader uh, in this? Oh man. Uh, I, I want to say North America, it's really big in Canada. You know, today is actually um, like Truth and Reconciliation Day. And that's, there's so much stuff going on there. Uh, in Can- in the US, I think it's just so public. Um, in Europe, uh, I think there's a lot of like undertones of racism. Uh, so there's just, there's so much, but I think everybody is now it's moved to the top of, of CEOs and executives lists in terms of a thing that they need to be thinking about. And so we wanted to provide just a place to have those conversations if you're interested in taking it on. And I think that there's a business case for doing it, not just a, a, a personal kind of case behind it. Right. Anthony, when you were talking about one of your answer, or answers earlier, it, it really resonated with, with me, which is the inability to have the personal conversations. And more importantly than that, it's the conversation after the conversation. You know, I, it's one of the things I've been, I, I think I met you, I, I've flown more this year in 2021. I have my entire life. I didn't expect that in this kind of crazy COVID world that we have, but this just reality where, where business has been bringing me. However, um, what I've, what I've realized is it's been the, it's the conversation after the meeting that all of a sudden, or it's the, it's the dinner meeting after the fact 
right? Where, where somebody who isn't comfortable to say something during the meeting, they'll give you these additional insights or you'll pick it up by their body language, right? But it's harder to pick it up in the front half of the body, if that makes sense, the top half of the body, you know, uh, in a typical Zoom meeting. So how, I'm just kind of curious, how are you helping people to get through what I'd call those intangible, crucial conversations, you know, the not-for-profit world that they weren't having to have, it's hard to have today. What are you doing? I'm kind of curious, what are you doing to help connect them better, right, to their, whether it be to their uh, people who are donating money, right, to the organization or the cause, uh, they're volunteering for organizations, perhaps they're in a business. What, What are some insights or things you're learning to help improve that and make that better? Yeah. I mean, I want to say it's it's the same stuff as before, like as in it's the same conversations. I think it's just the on the list of priorities and where it falls for people is different. You know, for some organizations, they are saying, hey, you know, like we were mandated to do a strategic plan and it's part of our or, or organizational mandate or it's part of what we do now in this kind of like online Internet world. Uh, you're back to back on Zoom meetings like it just didn't even register that it was possible to do it like three hours on zoom. So how we do it is five, three hour meetings to go through our entire strategic planning process, which we would normally do over two days in person. Um, But it's just like taking the time out to do the strategic, but most people just hadn't, they'd never done it before. Mm -hmm. If we think of like innovation in the business world, you know, you had to go to a bank to deposit a check. You couldn't fill out a loan application without being in person. The banks, insurance companies, all those guys, they said, we need to figure this out because otherwise we're not going to have the business. Well, some of the business world figured out, hey, there's an effective way to to do meetings. Um, And, you know, like FaceTime, you see, you actually get more context in some ways there. Um, The challenge is making sure that those Zoom meetings, uh, because they take so much mental attention, that you need to have a really clear uh, and engaging agenda. Otherwise, uh, it's just like it will just melt your brain, which is not we're in the business of, you know, I, I, I go back to our Madison trip that we did together when I, I helped, you know, as a tagged along, if you may, you know, and then the presentation that you were doing and, and helped out with that facilitation a little bit. And once again, we had that kind of after dinner, right. Where we gleaned some insights, right. From that dinner that we didn't pick up from the original facilitation, but I've been doing like you've been doing as well. I, I am also, I have clients in Mississippi and Massachusetts and in, in different places throughout the United States where I haven't physically shaken their hand, but their clients, and I'm, I'm working with them to help facilitate their, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective in that five, three, that's actually pretty, I've been doing similar things as you. It's interesting. We haven't even talked about this, you know, that the way how you're doing it, it's kind of interesting how we, we're doing something similar. What has, what has worked better in those five, three hour events compared to the traditional two-day event, you know, that you have with somebody. So give me, give me that. What, what's better? Oh, man. This is, it might be an unpopular opinion. I prefer online. Wow. So why? I really, what, what? I really, I really do because uh, it's really focused. And I find at the end of a two-day strategy session, we actually have a pros and cons document, but at the end of a two-day session, most people's brains are pretty melted especially if in that like Friday night dinner, they have a few cocktails and take advantage of like getting to go out. You know, that Saturday morning is not always the the shiniest uh, group of folks. Um, But three hours short, they stay really focused. But the other thing, and I think you'll appreciate this as somebody who really lives in the world of execution, is that instead of having it be like a two-day thing and then it sort of like withers away after, 
because it's like three hours every week, they're always in the conversation of strategy. So it's not just the planning session. If you think of like a two-day offsite for a three-year strategy, well, what do you do with the other 35 months? It's like you have to build the systems, the structures in place to support the strategy. And I think a regular check-in program or a regular program like that um, does it better. And I also think it takes less time and money. You don't need to fly everybody in. You know, you don't need to spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes getting into a boardroom. You can actually, it's easier to jump into strategic work with the right agenda, the right structure. But I'd be interested to hear how you have done it and how it's worked for you. We could talk for hours. We know that. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and don't worry, folks. There is a there is a uh, an end point um, to, the, to the podcast. Um, what I I think what you said is really interesting is when you could start creating a habit. One of the problems I've always seen, and it's always been the reason why I don't like retreats, is there is this um, almost fake event, and I'll put it. It almost feels fake, right? You're outside of work. Um, you go to a really nice place, uh, you get all the snacks throughout the day. You have these wonderful sessions where we're writing on whiteboards and, you know, different pieces of paper. And then you, you know, as you say, you might have a couple of drinks and then you go off and then you go on your weekend. And unfortunately people don't go back to it often. Mm. Right. You know, the, the, it, it, even if, even if we come up with a, a wonderful strategic plan that the real important part is, is the habits that are created on, on thinking about strategy consistently throughout a period of time, you know, instead of, you know, so many people do one time a year. Well, how do you self-correct one time a year? You know, you know, there's people who do it four times a year. Well, isn't it? Why not 12 times a year? And then I go even further than that at a tactical level, why not 52 weeks a year? Mm-hmm. You know, the more we're doing self-correction. So the value of having these more recurring meetings that I wouldn't have historically had either. Right. You know, it, it's enabling this concept of more check-ins. The second thing I think that's valuable is, you know, sometimes like a fine wine that takes a while to, to taste better, right? You know, at the end of the day and to, to be more, um, to go down the palate well, that's sometimes how I think sometimes strategic ideation is. It, it's um, a lot of times it's easy to write something on a whiteboard. It's easy. You and I are always dealing with type A personalities, King Kong, right? You know, Wonder Woman's of the world. They could do anything, right? The problem is in the real world, you cannot do everything. Mm-hmm. You've got to focus on the few things that's going to make the greatest difference in the world for your organization. And, and so when we can get to there, it's interesting. Literally, one of my clients in Boston, we, we just literally had this big aha. I was like, oh, you mean, really? We only have to focus on this one thing? And it was like this big question mark. And we're like asking, are we sure? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. And, and, it, and now we're going to test it, right? We're going to validate this, Anthony, and make sure that this is the one thing that's going to be the most important thing for them to focus on. And it's, by the way, it's one thing with some complexity, you know, behind it. But, but that to me, we've met, this is, the, that was our fifth session. Interestingly enough, it was our fifth session of these two hour, we were doing two hour sessions in this particular case. I'm not sure if that insight and that acceptance, that insight would have happened if it wasn't over five different separate sessions. Mm. I don't think it would have been acceptable in a strategic meeting and a whiteboard saying, oh, we're just going to do this one big thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? I don't think people would have been comfortable with that. It's like, well, where's our three to five things you know, <laughs> that we're going to work and conquer on? So 
I don't know what I'm just kind of curious. What's your response to that from what you've seen? In the words of uh, one of my characters from uh, Letter Kenny, which is a Canadian TV show, suggested that that marinate, gotta let it marinate and get the flavors and get everything through it. One of the other things that I find interesting when you think of strategy execution, going back to that like five weeks, two days, like three years, is that like sometimes you'll come up with an idea and maybe it's wrong. <laughs> like the goal, and I, this might be a Carl Cox quotable, it's just, just because it is a goal does not mean it is the goal. And so as you're tracking it, you need to make sure that it evolves and maybe it changes. Like I was talking to someone recently, they're like, hey, we did our strategic plan two years ago and they've got sort of guilt that they didn't execute their strategic plan. And I was like, man, you had to keep your business alive. Like you had to keep that going. And if you didn't do that, I would have been more mad. And so uh, in addition to having the regular check-ins, what I'm inviting people to do is think about building your capacity for implementing strategy. Mm. So that over, instead of thinking, hey, there's like a three-year vision, they say, well, if you focus really, really well for that first year, you're going to be leaps and bounds ahead so that year two to three is going to be even better. And, and you know what I mean? So like really, or zero to one, one to two, two to three. So looking at it in stages, but also making sure people have the capacity to implement it long-term. So focus on building capacity to implement strategy, not just implement strategy. Yeah, I, I, having exactly having the resources and the focus and and you touched upon something I, I like to say is which is strategic planning as a hypothesis. It's not a fact. And I think that's really also hard, right? Because it's like, oh, we spent all this money, put everybody together in this two days. But honestly, I've never seen a strategic plan be right. Mm. Like ever. Like I, I, I've never seen 100%. And I never want to see, honestly, 100%. Because think of just going, let's go back to where we were in Wisconsin in whatever November of 2019. If we were helping out with an organization at that point in time, nobody was projecting COVID to hit in the impact that had on every business, whether it was good or bad or mm-hmm. indifferent, right? Everybody was impacted one way or another. And, and so the ability to be able to adjust and be okay with that okay with that adjustment and, and not completely abandoned. Now, one of my clients did, they had it completely abandoned. They were, um, you know, that they were, they had, they were a transit company and nobody was riding the bus anymore. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was like, okay, I get it. You know I mean? They had it, they had a really uh, pivot significantly, right? Because uh, nobody was riding the bus. Um, but for other organizations, who did you see, um, just of your clients or maybe things you observed in the world, who were the ones that were really able to take advantage of COVID? Meaning take advantage of the uncertainty or the opportunity to change their business and come out better as a result. Did you, did you have any experiences with any of your clients that had something like that? I'd have to rack my brain because let's say we've got a a large client group, but I I think that there was a net, 50% 50% improved, net 50% decreased. Mm. Restaurants had a hard go, you know, certain professional services, marketing uh, firms, like people in that kind of realm, uh, anybody serving people like Uber, like Uber, uh, Uber Eats, like any like food restaurant platform. So if you're able to adapt, and that's kind of why I'm just, I don't uh, believe in like a three-year firm strategic plan, which I think we agree on, because there's so much stuff that we can change. So you need to be nimble. You need to be adaptive, right? These aren't my clients, but I recently saw two examples of like 
what was it? Shopify started off as a snowboard company. Uh, Slack started off as a video game with a good in-app messenger or a good app like communication platform. Like the, like the strategic plan is, hey, I'm going to grow this company into this. But the adaption and the recognizing that there's a market opportunity is both the scary part of entrepreneurship, but that's like what's great is if you can adapt and you say, hey, we've got an opportunity, like let's rock and roll and follow it. So you need to have flexibility in your plan. And you also need to have a team that doesn't get stuck in the document, but more on the outcome. What's the outcome? Grow the business, have impact, support people. And then that will be the guiding factor so you don't miss out on opportunities. Um, so I didn't exactly answer your question, but uh, I'd say 50-50, some win, some loss. All right, so Anthony, the, the question, of course, I love to ask all, all our audience members when it comes to, for your clients, how do you measure success in their strategic planning process? In their process or their plan? Uh, first, I'll say process, and then I'm going to say plan next. So, so how do you measure success with each, each of those things? So I measure success in the process if everybody feels lighter. Hmm. What do, you, I, what do you mean by that? Yeah, what do you mean by what does lighter mean? Lighter means that most of the time in a before a strategic planning session, everybody has a bunch of things that they're wondering about. They're on like their front of their brain. They're like, what about my projects? How do I fit in this? They've got concerns. They've got doubts. They've got uncertainties. At the end of our two days, everybody feels way clearer. It feels mm -hmm. like a weight has been lifted off and they've moved from like, wondering if they're on the same page to certain they're on the same page, which allows them to move faster, like through the implementation and actually getting everybody clear. So that's the like the lighter feeling. And you can see it on people's faces. Uh, for those listening, if you're thinking about doing an, a strategic planning session, it's hard to say, hey, your clients are going to be lighter. Your team is going to be lighter, but it's a huge, huge, huge ROI value for your people. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's that one. No, that that was really interesting, and the reason why it really resonated with me is I um I have uh, bring on somebody on board, and I was delegating some social media marketing practices things, so I didn't have to do it on my own. And it literally after the meeting, I was like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> it was just like gorilla that was off my back, you know what I mean? Because I had gone through the thorough process of training. This is what I like to do. I have you do it so I could free up more time. And and have and be more focused and have them do something that's going to be uh, effective for the business as a whole. And so it's interesting you bring up that lighter experience. But what happened as a result, there was alignment. This is clearly what we want to do. This is how we want to execute it. So now let's talk about plan success, right? How do you know that you've put together a plan that's nailed it? Well, I'll I'll judge the success of the plan at the end of it. But okay. basically, it's if everybody accomplishes their one destination. Okay. So methodologically, there's basically the biggest problem that we solve as facilitators at SME Strategy is helping teams avoid the multiple destination trap. They could either go left, right, center, or a million different options. That's the challenge. There are too many options, not enough time. If we can get a team clear on that one destination, if we're successful in three years' time, how will we know? And they get there, that's what success looks like. And we're going up to Trail BC next week with a client, and they posted their one destination on the wall and say, we're hiring you again because we actually already accomplished this, like That's a little sweet. bit early, but yeah. like with tons of growth. But everybody had that, you know, call it a North Star, call it whatever you want, but everybody was clear, this is where we're going. And then they got there and it's like, well, what's next? Anthony, I love it how you, I don't know if you noticed that my number two here on the board is select destination. And, um, and, and. I love it that 
the reason why I, I think it's why you use it, it's reason why I use it is because the problem with saying we're sh- doing goals, well, that reminds people of them cutting weight, losing weight. And we know how successful people are with losing weight. We also know how successful people are with their New Year's resolution or goals, right? It's terrible, right? The, 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 the likelihood of people being successful, that's a reason why the fitness industry and the weight loss industry is a multi-billion dollar industries, right? Because people are not successful with doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And they keep on failing over and over again. Um, but if you focus on going to a new place, one single destination, then all of a sudden you realize the goal is not to, it's not a goal. It's, it's where our uh, itinerary is, if you may, you know, our itinerary is to go there. And then that by definition is your change management, helping the people visualize, no, we're actually going to this new place. This is our core focus. Uh, I love, it's why I love that verbiage and choice because it, it changes people's mindset a lot, right? Of that we're going somewhere new. Strategy is just the how you get to somewhere to a new destination, right? That, that, that is all it is. It's how you're going to get there. Um, but people don't think about it. it is ultimately about a transformation because otherwise it's just an annual operating plan. Mm-hmm. You know, all we're doing is updating our budget. That's not strategic most cases. That, that's just making sure your numbers are going to be right, right? And making sure people have the amount of money they want to do in their respective budgets. But that by definition is not strategic. What's strategic, really strategic is when you tie it all in together, right? But it's ultimately to moving to some new. new. Um, no, I'm curious on the, I love that, that one destination uh, area behind it. Who who fights you? I, you know, obviously that's that's a tough sell, right? Sometimes you're like, well, we can do twelve things this year, right? Um, how do you get how do you get people aligned on that one destination point? Uh, well, I tell them it's like you've got a choice. You either are going. You, there's only one of two options. It's chicken or fish. You're mm-hmm. either going to one destination or multiple destinations, and then that's like the first question. And then I I sort of I have this uh, building analogy, but I, I I'll. Quote someone, Ron Swanson, his famous philosopher, and he says, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. And I use that in all of my facilitations because it's you can either do 10 things a little bit or do a couple things really, really well. But I always bring it back, you know, Simon Sinek, he always says the the start with why or end with why or whatever it is. But it's like, that's the, I'm sure it's on the bookshelf somewhere. But Yeah, yeah, I know. It's funny. I was looking back there, the one thing that I have it's funny, another one of my uh, books, this is, I don't know if you've read this one, um, Dave Ramos, Drive One Direction. Um, this, is a, this is a good one. But yeah, I mean, it's, you nailed it, right? Is, is focusing on one thing is you're much more likely, much more successful to get there, you know, yeah. and, and to hit that. So anyways, I, I absolutely um, love that. Okay. All right. So now, now we're going to do all into that fun personal side, Anthony, because that's I, I like to have both the business and the personal side. And you don't have the most traditional path into doing what you're doing. You've told me that multiple times, you know, like, and, and, and so for the audience, to, to, how did you get to where you are? Like, how did you start out and how did you get to this point where all of a sudden you're, you're advising and, and people are seeking you out from around the world to get to their one destination that they're trying to reach? And uh, okay, well, I know we're short, we're short-ish on time, but I was, I'm actually a waiter by trade. Um, I ran a bunch of different businesses. I put on uh, rock concerts. I had an ESL school, two coffee shops. Um, I had a nightlife directory before the Olympics came to Vancouver, half in English and half in Japanese, called Hapa Ning, which might be funny to some of your listeners. Um, 
uh, I was a waiter and I just started doing coaching. And then, like I said, it was learn strategic planning and then started writing books. And eventually people believed me that I could do this. Uh, but we're, we're 10 years in, almost 11 years into to doing strategic planning, uh, hundreds of clients across the world. Uh, I've just accumulated a lot of experience, but I'll tell you where it came from and it'll sort of tie it all in. When I was 25 and starting my business, I said, okay, I have a hypothesis. And I said, in 20 years, so when I'm 45, everybody that's a boomer that occupied senior leadership positions is either going to, they're going to be out of those positions. And there's going to be a huge, huge gap of people that are technically good, but have never had leadership opportunities, or they were never trained, or they didn't go to business school. And there's going to be this huge, huge hole. So I want to be the guy that can support them and teach them business, but not from a like a academic perspective, but from like a practical aspect and teach leadership and communication and all of that stuff that helps people so they can do that. And I'm like, I'm halfway through my 20 year plan. So like, I'm good. Like, you know, I'm hitting some of my KPIs now, but I'm not even rocking for another 10 more years. So, uh, that's, that's really, it's just, I, I want to help people and, uh, yeah, I want to help people all over the world. So we're going to do some cool stuff over the next uh, decade plus. So keep an eye out. So Anthony, I'm going to hit on one of those things you mentioned on uh, going back to a bit on the business side of how you're helping. What is the, forgive me here, but what, what's the one most common recommendation or encouragement that you can tell a young leader, right? Where they're just getting into a, a critical leadership position. What is one of the more common things that you share with them so they can mature to be a great leader? Um, uh, John Maxwell said a leader with no followers is just going for a walk. <laughs> so I, so I recommend to people and a successful leader, this is just, this is my quote, but the successful leader helps other people get to where they want to go. And you can only help other people get to where they want to go. If you listen and ask them. And that's like at the heart of alignment is where do you want to go? Where do I want to go? And how does that overlap? I don't worry about not alignment. I only worry about alignment and, and to help people get there. And then the other thing that I say in around change management is the benefit. This one is a quote from me. The benefit of the future needs to be greater than the pain of change. The mm. benefit of the future needs to be greater than the pain of change. So if you don't have something that's worthwhile, like, I don't know, doing a marathon, then you're not going to get up out of bed in the morning to go for your runs because it's not worthwhile enough. So it's got to be big um, for you to make a big difference and a big impact towards making it forward. Yeah, and it really hurts, by the way. Um, I got that. <laughs> but it's worthwhile, you know. It will be worthwhile to finish. I heard, uh, I just talked to a person I know here locally in the area, Mike Veneer, and he was talking about how um, save for his, uh, I think, marriage, his kids being born, it, the multiple marathons he passed every single time crossing the finish line was just extraordinary. So I'm Praying, Mike, you're right, because it is not fun to put a lacrosse ball on your hip and hoping that the IT band relaxes. <laughs> so, um, okay, so you've made a lot of changes in your own personal life through the way on your own journey, you know, um, and, and getting towards this. Clearly, you've, you've learned. What are you doing today? You know, what have you been working on this past year, especially in this kind of COVID world, to help keep your game up? you know, help make sure you're still adding the most value um, 
you know, this could be anything. It's because you're, you may be doing chess and checkers or you're, you know, um, eating a Twinkie each night. I don't know what it is. Or maybe you're, you know, I don't know, doing Taekwondo. What, what is the couple of things you're doing that is help keeping your A game? So you get up each morning, right? So you can uh, make a difference out there. Man, I was trying to think about this as you're asking the question, because I have so many things, but it kind of goes in wave. So during the pandemic, I got back into uh, playing piano. I found the biggest thing for me to stay at my A game was do something competitive. I really missed playing basketball and soccer. And I mm-hmm. found that I was most myself when I was doing that. Um, stretching and meditating in the morning, although I'm not great at it as a habit. Um, but I do find that, and I'm where I'm at today as of recording, is I need to make more time for fun. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. I'll get too much into the just like the work life. But fun is why I do it. It's, I, you know, and so doing that and getting back into travel, that's going to be awesome. But honestly, like I get jazzed by talking to people. I get to, I do my own podcast twice a week. Um, so talking to smart people, smarter than me, like that juices me up and connecting with friends like you, like that gives me juice. So I'm, yeah, that's what I love doing. And, and I think you, you're saying in the beginning, you're heading to Foxborough here pretty soon. Uh, we're home of the Pats. So uh, anyways, all this Pats out there, go Pats. Um, but you, 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 and then where else? You said you're traveling somewhere else too. Is it uh, potentially Oklahoma or something of that nature? Potentially Oklahoma, potentially Alaska. I'm going to trail British Columbia next week. Um, and then, yeah, who knows, maybe Orlando, Florida. But uh, yeah, we got a lot of things, but probably my, my, my friends in Alaska, I'm probably going to go see them pretty soon. And friends, it's the, uh, yeah, clients, client friends. Hi, friend. Hey, that's nice when you could add the friend to the client. That means mm-hmm. you're, you're you're truly making a, a bigger difference to them. So, all right. So I'll ask the, the big question. How do you measure success in your personal life? If I can't tell the difference between my personal life and professional life, that's me measuring success. Uh, but it, no, actually, the more accurate one is if my wife is happy. If my wife is happy. <laughs> my, if my wife is happy, then that means I'm not dropping the ball there. That's the number one thing. So being, yeah, that's the, that's that, that's it. Happy wife, happy life. Is that what you're telling us, Anthony? Happy spouse, happy house. Absolutely. That's right. Um, okay. That, that, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I, I, I love your, your backstory. The reason why I wanted to bring that up is there's a lot of people, probably in the audience, they're like, I'm, I, I'm not feel like where I should be. And I want to make a greater difference somewhere else. And I think you are one of those wonderful examples of somebody who completely changed your career multiple times. And now not only do you just come up with a two, three year plan to do something new, but you got this 20 year big hair and audacious goal to make a huge difference out there. And anyways, I love that. I love your story about how you did that. Anthony, what, what is a book that you, one or two books that you'd recommend for our audience that they have to read? So before I answer that, I'm going to say, I am generally never where I want to be as in I'm always pushing forward, but I think the like the bigger thing that pulls me is what gets me out of bed. So for all of you, if you're not where you're at, just, you know, you are where your feet are. So take, take that into consideration and just take every day because you never know what's, nothing's ever promised. So enjoy where you're at. Um, the book that I, that's really uh, resonating with me now is the 5am club. I, I read it last year. Um, it really, it, it, having that extra bit of time um, it, yeah, to, to do what I need to do to be at my best, it really made a big difference. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's my reco for today. Isn't that crazy though, the difference between waking up at 5.05 or 5 versus even 5.45. That oh, 45 yeah. minutes is massive. Yep. It's huge. 
It's absolutely I'm, massive. I don't always I don't always follow it, but when I make time for, and that was one of my keys to success, when I made time for myself in that in the morning, even if I had like seven o'clock or six o'clock facilitations, it made a big difference, and I felt it. That's where I was like measuring success in my own life. That's right. So, Anthony, where can people learn more about you? Where's a good website to find you? Uh, holler at me on LinkedIn. Connect on LinkedIn, Anthony C. Taylor uh, on LinkedIn, Anthony C. Taylor on the internet, uh, SME strategy. If you search strategic planning something, you'll probably find me. Uh, check out my book, uh, alignment.co. And then uh, come and join us at our uh, Diversity Inclusion Summit. Just like be part of a conversation. We got some amazing people. Yep. And once again, a really well-known podcast as well. And so I encourage you to, to uh, I think it's one of the top 2% or something like that of, of is, is that true? Is that, I think I saw two or 3%. Where we're up there, we're, no, yes, it's a top 3% of podcasts with the strategy and leadership podcast. Um, and we interview uh, smart people twice a week. Yeah, awesome. Good stuff, Anthony. Well, Anthony, hey, this has been great. I can't wait to see you in person again. Thanks for being on the Measure Success Podcast Show. It's my pleasure. I'm proudly Cascadian and I'm glad to rep it. So thanks for having me, Carl. Absolutely. And to everyone else, we're wishing you the very best at Measuring Success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.